Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Today we're in Genesis 38, but before we start reading, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you for this day and for all that you've done. I'm grateful for who you are and the way you love me. You're kind and gracious, and the reality is, is I don't deserve it. I guess that's why it's grace. I totally don't deserve your mercy and your love. But Father, I lift up this time. I just pray that we would hear your Holy Spirit speak to us. That Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand what, what message is there. That Father, you would guide us and help us to understand what we need to take from this. I'm grateful for who you are. I'm thankful for your for your message. I just pray it would be completely from you and not from me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So chapter 38 is is a pretty critical chapter. And it's also, though, a story that's kind of just thrown into the middle of the Joseph trilogy, you know, story. And it abruptly goes in and covers off on Judah and, and then moves on. And so it's, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people have thought over time that it was a later insert to the, uh, to the work, but just looking at the way that it flows and and it works, it, you know, it's come to, people have realized that that's not the case. One of the things that I've seen at from it and also from Genesis in general has been the way God has a plan and regardless of what we do, what man does, his plan is still fulfilled and it'll be a plan that works the way that he wants it to work despite the individuals and how they behave. The other part is that we've seen in our readings from from Genesis is that generally the people that he's chosen don't start off well. They're not the greatest human beings in the world. They're not people that we would really like to hang out with. Maybe, you know, no, I just wouldn't. I, for the most part, um, Jacob, not not a great guy initially. He, he improved over time. He got close to God. But see, it's interesting because most, a lot of the time God chose people who didn't, weren't faithful to him. And I guess it might've been because that's who was there and he knew what they would become. So, but also was it that because they knew him and grew closer to him that they then changed and became much better um, individuals. But if you think about everyone from Abraham who used to lie that, you know, Rachel wasn't his, his wife, it was his sister to Jacob to who, you know, (laughs) He did all sorts of awesome things to Isaac. You know, so far they haven't been the pillars of society from, you know, the the get-go. And now we're going to read about Judah. And Judah is, you know, he it's his line that Jesus comes from. So let's go ahead and start reading about Judah and Tamar. It's chapter 38, verse 1. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went went down to stay with a man of Adalom named Hurrah. Now, 
some people says that that indicate that that was kind of a dangerous event, that something happened between his brothers. Maybe he was unhappy with what happened to Joseph because it should have, this should coincide with Joseph being, um, you know, sold to slavery. But he left and he went down into Canaan and where he met uh, and hung out with Hira. There Judah met the, da- the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became preg- pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. Now, if you remember back in the, with the Jews, with Israel, they weren't supposed to marry the Canaanites. They weren't supposed to inter- intermingle with them that way. But he didn't care. His, he, he didn't care about the religion. He didn't care about the stipulations and the mandates from God through Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac and Jacob. So he married her, and he had a son. His first, his eldest was Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Anan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kazib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death. So he must have been a really bad guy. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. So this is the leveret marriage. Um, It's a practice of a man marrying the widow of his deceased brother if she had no children. A child of this second marriage would provide security for the widow and would carry on the name of the deceased brother. Um, So then Judah said, uh, I'm sorry, um, for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. So there's a lot there that he's basically, you know, hey, this is going to dilute the importance of my kids if I do this. And so he was potentially just being selfish and didn't want to, obey and fulfill the the law that was there. Judah then said to his daughter, daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's household until my, my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may, too, he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. So here's Tamar. She's doing what they've told her to do. Um, she's married to this guy. He dies. His brother marries her but doesn't like give her kids. And now he died. And so his father-in-law says, Hey, go live with your parents for a while as a widow. And once, once my youngest grows up, I'll have him marry you. After a long time, Judah's wife, long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Tim, Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep and his friend Hira, the Adalamite went with him. When Tamara was was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her, her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Tim, Timnah. For she saw that, though Shelah was now grown up, she was not being given to him as his wife. So she's gone off and done what she she was supposed to. She was a, She was obedient. And Judah 
wasn't fulfilling his promise and he wasn't also making sure that the Leverett marriage practice um, was followed. And so he was being sinful. She was being honest and obeying, obedient. And then she's like, okay, well, I've got to go and take care of myself. She's concerned about her well-being too. So following in the step footsteps of the great Jacob and uh, the deceiver uh, background that's in this family, she then decides to go and take matters into her own hands to make sure she's provided for. Now keep in mind, so far Judah has had no no heirs. He's had three sons, two are dead, and he hasn't married off the third. And Judah is the line from which Jesus and David are to be born. So something has to be done in order for him, his line to be continued. When Judah saw, so she goes, so Tamara again went and took off her widow's clothes and put on a veil and sat outside of a temple where Judah was going to go by. Typically, this was happening during the shearing season, and which then led to, was also when the sheep were, um, were mating. And so prostitutes hung out in front of temples in order to um, have sex and, you know, supposedly ensure the fertility of the, of the flocks. So when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face, not realizing that she, that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked, I'll send you a young goat from my flock. He said, Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand. So <laughs> she's like, hey, give me your wallet, give me your passport, and give me your social security number. Everything that identifies you, because that's what she just asked for. So she, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I want to go. I haven't, you know, my wife died. I've been in mourning. And now I'm like, I want to go sleep with a woman. So and, I'm going to do it. And so he's just, he's not thinking with his brain. And so he's like, okay, your seal, your, and so he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman but he did not find her. You see, he didn't go himself because most likely he was embarrassed. He was regretting what he had done, that he acted out of passion and not out of intelligence. And so now he sends his friend to go deal with this. He asked the men who live there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Anaim? There hasn't been any shrine, shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides the men who live there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has, or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. Pretty harsh, and not the greatest reaction. It's also a pretty cold one because this is a, a woman who has been faithful, obedient anyways. 
And he just committed the sin. He just visited a prostitute. But she was supposedly in waiting to be given to, in marriage, and so that makes that act of prostitution even worse in this in the society. And uh, he also was probably thinking, good, now I can get rid of her and not worry about my younger son. As she was bring, being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize who seal cord and staff these are. <laughs> Judah, Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, This one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out, and she said, So this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out, and he was named Zira. So that's the story of Judah, that without her doing what she did, most likely his lineage would have dried up and, and failed. So Tamara actually made it possible so that the lineage and the line of David and Jesus could continue. You'll also see that the younger sons or the sons that were born second, you know, second, um, when there were twins, they tended to be the ones that wound up dominating. And Perez is the, the, the child or the, the child that had the lineage of David and also Jesus. So not the firstborn, but the secondborn. So interesting story. Once again, we see towards the end, we can see that, that Judah is kind of feeling the pangs of guilt and might be thinking about his actions a little bit more when he says she's more righteous than I. But not the world's greatest person initially. Not one that I would say, hey, I want to model my life after, at least not in the beginning of his life. But God still uses him. Which gives me hope because I have plenty of flaws. I have plenty of issues. And yet, maybe God can still use me. There's no maybes. It's whether or not he wants to. So, with that, I'm just going to close us with a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for Genesis. Thank you for this, the stories, the illustrations, and helping us to understand how you work. That you have grace for all of us. That your grace is matchless and boundless and that despite our flaws you still love us and you still use us and that your plan is always fulfilled so father i lift up this time i lift up this day i lift up my friends out there who are listening i just pray that you'd be honored and glorified i pray that you would work closely with them and hold them close that you would open their spirit and their heart and their mind to your your message and that we would all understand what you need from what you want from us. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.